Hello and welcome in. It's time for episode number five of the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe. I'm Ross Geiger, the host of the podcast. Our good friend and co-host Bruce is out tonight, but I'm thrilled to be joined alongside the other co-host of the show, the one, the only, World B, Michael Freer. How we doing? Not too bad. Uh, well, we'll be, let's just get it started here with our opening tip here. Uh, we had lots of great NBA action just last night on Wednesday. What grabbed your attention? Uh, seeing the Bulls who had been, uh, we'll talk about them later, kind of struggling a little bit, come away with a victory over the Bucks and overtime was uh, really impressive. Uh, DeRozan was on on uh, on fire again they had the little uh garbage stuff that we'll get into uh later in the show but uh was was a good showing by the bulls and it made me concerned about the uh milwaukee bucks there's a there's some reason to be concerned as far as i'm you know i can see now is it the play of the bucks or is it maybe just the injury report or the injuries are the injuries are a factor there's no question about it I'm surprised they're not playing better. They've lost four in a row now, and they played some good teams. So let's not, you know, they haven't played uh, the four games against the Hornets, for example. They, you know, they played the Cavaliers, they played the Nets, they played the Celtics, they had the Bulls. Uh, but their defense is really uh, this month has really uh, concerned me. They they entered the month number one, the number one defensive team in the league in efficiency, and now they're outside the top ten this month. Uh, Middleton hasn't gotten it together yet, and Giannis needs help. I mean, just, you know, Drew Holiday's starting to get back into the way we know he can play. He didn't really have that at the beginning. And Middleton's just really having a tough time of it. Just 11 points a game since he's come back, 33% from the field. It's really been a struggle for them. And the three of them on the court are just a train wreck defensively so far. Yeah, I've been very surprised by the numbers when you look at all three of them being on the court together. Of course, Drew Holiday is the heart and soul of that defense out on the perimeter, really creating havoc on those playmaking guards. And, of course, Giannis will do his thing uh, around the rim, protecting that. Um, but but going back kind of even just to the offense and looking at last night's game, what really uh, concerned me is, you know, the only way this Bucks team can survive right now without those – two big losses in Holiday and Middleton is if Giannis has an incredible game and also needs to get some perimeter shooting and uh, get some help from the other guys to kind of open the floor up for him with the driving lanes and to, to pass it off when he gets doubled. And Giannis had an exceptional game last night. I mean, 45 points, 22 yep. rebounds, seven assists. But you look at the perimeter numbers for the Bucks, and they were completely ice cold going 9 of 44, 20.5% from downtown, shooting an overall 37.3% from the field. Meanwhile, you look on the flip side of that, the Chicago Bulls shot 39% from downtown and 40, 45.7 from the field. So, you know, if you ask me, looking back on that game and, and, and just taking a focus on the perimeter shooting of the Bucks in that game, it's, it's truly quite incredible that the Bucks were even in that game and were able to extend that an extra five minutes in overtime. Yeah, it's it's a like I said, it's a concern. They're not a good shooting team from the perimeter. The Bucks are, and you know, even with Grayson Allen and and um, others, you know, that should be contributing more. They're just not. They need Giannis needs help, and we all thought that when Middleton came back, that the big three would be clicking. Everything would get better, and it just hasn't yet. Not yeah. good, but it just hasn't yet. Yeah, and, and another thing that kind of concerns me, and maybe he needs a little bit more time, and uh, rightfully so, but Joe Ingles, I thought he was a huge mm -hmm. addition to this team in the offseason coming over from Utah. He just hasn't looked right out there thus far. You know, He hasn't really uh, provided the offensive spark I thought he could, distributing the ball, hitting a few knockdown threes, and uh, he's struggling as well. Yeah. He he absolutely is. He needs uh it's only been a few games, like you said, but I mean 24% from the field. He's shooting, you know, he's four for 21 on mm -hmm. threes, how we remember him, but he's been gone a long time. He's been off the court a long time. So I'll you take a wait and see approach, but the Celtics look like they're getting things back in gear. 
And you don't want to get too far behind a team like that and, you know, have to separate yourself. With the Sixers playing much better, you know, it looked like between the Bucks and the Celtics for a while, and now here come the Sixers, and, you know, who's to say that they're going to end up in the top three or top two? Right. Yeah, good point. And uh, hopefully the Bucks can get that figured out soon. Um, but it seems like Mike Budenholzer has a bit of a problem on his hands uh, for the time being. Now for the game that I, I really watched and captured my attention. Of course, we talked about it in our last podcast. It was the Denver Nuggets at the Sacramento Kings. And for this one, it took the second game of that weird back-to-back set in Sacramento amongst these two squads uh, to get the matchup that we were looking for as Sabonis did sit out the first battle on Tuesday Tuesday night. But boy, was last night's head-to-head battle a lot of fun. Sacramento found themselves down big early, trailing by 16 points after the first quarter of play. But then the Kings fought hard to come back and ended up winning each of the remaining three quarters of play to earn the victory. And uh, just before I, I get your thoughts on that game, will be let's take a look real quickly at the head-to-head main event matchup between the Joker and Sabonis. Joker, 15 of 24 from the field, 40 points, seven rebounds, six assists, and also had a chance to win the game with a three-point attempt with 0.7 left on the clock at the end of regulation. Uh, wasn't able to even draw iron on that attempt. And then on the winning side, Sabonis, 12 of 18 from the field, 31 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, and not to mention two of two uh, from three-point land. It was really impressive. 16 in the second half. The Aaron Fox had 16 to say the combined the two of them were 12 for 15 from the field in the second half and, you know, hit a couple of threes between them in the, in the second half. It was uh, the Kings continue to really be impressive to me. Uh, playing at home, they're, they're really tough these days. They're a really tough team to play at home. Uh, and their, their offense is it's not going away. It's, you know, they really have the pieces, which is we mentioned in previous podcasts is not the way we envisioned at the beginning of the year when they hired Mike Brown, that was not the game plan. I'm assuming because he is a defensive minded coach and they've really, you know, stepped up their offense and they, they're top 10 in there and I don't see it going away anytime soon. No, me neither. And I know that I've mentioned on a previous podcast as well, giving credit to some of those off-the-bench guys that kind of plug and play and have big games. I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't give a shout-out to Malik Monk, who was quite incredible off the bench. 33 points in 30 minutes last night. He was definitely the difference maker for that team and you know, definitely got the home crowd energized throughout that entire game with his scoring outage. And that's what you can kind of expect from a guy like that who's just an instant microwave. A very streaky shooter. Uh, we talked about him a few podcasts ago about how he just the Lakers let him walk to Sacramento for whatever. Nineteen in the second half, really impressive. He has those moments. He has that capability. He showed it in his final season, really in his final season with uh, with the Hornets before he left. And you finally saw what he was capable of. And he got to the Lakers. He did a good job with the Lakers. He you know shot about forty percent and. Now he, you know, he's about forty percent this year, and nights like this, when you have production like that, the Kings, you got to outscore them, and the Nuggets are one of the teams that you think can. They just couldn't do it last night. Yep. So, Kings go ahead and get revenge on the second game of that battle. Nuggets end up going one on one in the road uh, in Sacramento, and you know it is important to mention Aaron Gordon was both uh, was out for both of those games. And, uh, you know, they definitely need to get him back here soon. I know that we'll be talking about some upcoming Denver matchups later on in this podcast. But Man, that uh, dunk took a lot out of him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he and Shamit are recovering on the IL right now. <laughs> so we'll have to keep, a, keep an eye out on Aaron Gordon's availability moving forward. But uh, definitely uh, could tell he was missed out there uh, for the Nuggets. Now – Going back to a game we definitely need to talk about here in quarter one. How about Luka? Luka Doncic was an incredible 60-point, 21-rebound, 10-assist game. Will be, I got to ask you, as our historical statistical guy, where does this rank all-time, in your opinion, for a single-game performance? I mean, it's up there. And, you know, 
it's going to be mentioned when they rattle off, you know, one day when they rattle off the top 50 best performances or whatever, that's going to be among them. Nobody's ever done it. To do something that nobody's ever done before, 60 and, you know, 21 and 10, a triple-double with 60 and 20, that's that's insane. But, I mean, I wouldn't put it anywhere, say, in the top 10 all the time because Wilt's got so many of those. I mean, you could go back just a 100-point game in 1962. Right. You know, Kobe's 81. Um, you know, you can look back. Wilt one one time in 1967 had a 42.30 rebound, 10 assist game where he went 18 of 18 from the field. I mean, that's just – there was another game he had in 68 where he had a 20-20-20 night. I mean, that's it's mind-boggling stuff. You know, there's so many things to go – you know, Kobe Bryant in 2003 outscores the Mavericks for three quarters, 62 to 61. And Phil Jackson didn't let him play in the fourth quarter. Otherwise, who knows what he could have had. But, you know, there, there's so many great games. You know, Scott Skiles once had 30 assists in a game. Yeah. And that's, you know, back when he was with the Magic. That's uh, ridiculous. Rick Barry once made 30 field goals in a game. And none of them threes because they didn't have threes back then. <laughs> it's 30 for 45 from the field one time in 1974. So it's just, you know. Just going back a few years, Kevin Love had a 30-30 game. Mm-hmm. So Good I mean point. this falls in this falls in line with with those great ones. You know, uh, Kendall Gill one time had 11 steals in the game. And one of my favorite ones, Elmore Smith, when blocks first came an official stat, once had 17, he has a record, 17 blocks in the game. Unbelievable. I mean, it this is this is up there with those. I I probably could name 10 that were maybe more incredible. We don't even get all that. We even mentioned Jordan's, all his accomplishments, or Elgin Baylor, or things like that. But it was an unbelievable night. And the finish, the way the the Knicks belted down and forced the, you know, the Mavs were able to force overtime down nine with 20 something seconds to go. It was a crazy night all around. And that really opened everybody. It was the big story of the week. I mean, that's what it was. Yeah. And here's how I kind of look at it. I mean, we'll we'll go back to Kobe's 81 in uh, 2003. I, I would say this definitely rivals that one. Uh, certainly the best since 03. Um, but let's take into consideration when Kobe dropped 81, no disrespect to the Mamba by any means because that was a truly incredible performance. That came in a game where the Lakers had full full control for the most part. And both of Wilt's performances came in a very different era. Um, so, so I find it kind of hard to compare to today's game, but what Luca did that really stood out to me was, you know, the Mavs trailed 10 points heading into the fourth quarter. So add, add in that difficulty. And then on top of that, the incredible sequence of purposely missing that free throw (laughs) and not only grabbing it, but putting it back up and earning the and one opportunity. I mean, just unbelievable. And you know, I, I looked at the box score outside of just the, the main statistical categories. And what, what really stood out is, you know, he, he dropped that 60. You know, he's the focus of the defense. He had 10 assists. So he was dishing out the dimes. And he did so by only while only committing four turnovers. Yeah. And he played 47 minutes. Yeah. And so, he, he only needed 31 shots to get to 60 points. That's right. pretty pretty good. I mean, when Kobe got to his 60 in his final game, I think he took 50 shots. Yeah. So, just, yeah, so a very efficient night, to say the least. It was, it was truly incredible. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to say he's on my fantasy team, and he got me one. <laughs> he got me that's like an all-timer. He got me like 95 points, which is that's, insane. That's an all-timer right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, incredible night for him and uh, definitely helps his case for – uh, the MVP race in this year's NBA season. And so let's get right into uh, our next topic here in the MVP race and rank our top three candidates. I'll start with you, World B. Uh, let's let's start um, in opposite order. Let's, get, let's start with three and work our way up to one. So who do you have at your third spot right now? A number, I mean, right now, number three, I have Giannis, uh, third in the league in scoring. He's got... 31.7 a game. He's 11.6 boards a game. He's dishing out 5.2 assists. Um, he's putting up really incredible numbers. He's the number one usage rate guy in the league at 37.6%. Uh, 
And I don't, if the Bucks don't give him any help, I don't foresee that going down anytime soon. And that's approaching historic levels NBA wise for a season. Um, he's just having, he's having another one of those great seasons. The reason I don't have him higher is his shooting's just a little off right now. It hasn't been the same as we normally see it. Um, he's usually in the upper 50s, the 60s range. Now he's just around 50. Uh, it doesn't take away anything from his dominance. I'm just, I think there are a couple others that are that ready to have him at the moment. But I mean, you can't do those numbers. You can't do much uh, better than. No. And, and you talk about the shooting and the struggles that he's had so far this season. Uh, how much of that do you think could contribute uh, to his decision to play this summer uh, for Greece? Uh, do you think that just the the load management or lack thereof of not having a full off season and just the pure usage of him on the box has you know started to take its toll? I think it's a combination. I think it's a, a fair uh, argument to make if you think he is tired or whatever. Because you know, like I said, he's getting the usage rate is is ridiculously high. Um, and it has to be. They're just until somebody gets, you know, some of the guys get better and give them more help. It's just going to all go through him. And there's there's something to be said for that. I, if that's the case, though, and we're not even halfway through the season, I don't know what that bodes for the rest of the year for him. Yeah, and and going back to our initial conversation on Milwaukee, I think another thing. Um, that definitely hurts his percentages a bit is just not having Middleton out there consistently. And when Middleton's out there, he's still not playing at the level that we, we quite expect, um, you know, holiday is a heck of a player, but let's face it. When the bucks were at their peak, when they won the NBA finals, he was holiday was the third wheel. I mean, Middleton was the uh, second guy and usually the guy down the stretch that would make the big shots from the outside. Um, I think I think Giannis, de- you know, definitely misses that as well, and and, and could be playing a factor into the percent- percentage. He's a you know, militant and all star. You know, he's a former all star. So mm-hmm. you know they they re-signed him and they signed you know because they know what they have in him and how much he means to Giannis. Um, you're right; it hasn't hasn't clicked yet for him, and you just expect it will at some point. But it, and it better for the for the Bucks' sake. Uh, the, the one good thing that we touched on earlier in the show, when the three of them are now, you know, they haven't been on the court very long, just 70 minutes, basically 69 officially. But when they're on the court, their efficiency on offense is really, really something. 126 and a half points per 100 possessions is really impressive. It's a small sample size, and you don't figure it to be that high for the whole year. If it is, the Bucks will be just fine for the rest of the year. But – you, you figure if they're at that level and they're really not getting anything from Middleton. It all falls back on Giannis. And to your point, if he's, if his shooting's off because he's tired from the off season, well, it doesn't bode well for them if Middleton doesn't pick it up towards the end of the year. No doubt about it. That is certainly a cause of concern in Milwaukee these days. And hopefully they can get that figured out here soon. As for my third, it's going to actually vary. Uh, from yours. So this could be a lot of fun. Uh, we could have some differences in our top three. I'm going to go number three, Kevin Durant. Brooklyn Nets are now 23 and 12. They're 10 and 0 in their last 10 games. KD's played 34 games. He's averaging a hair under 30 points at 29.9 points per game. And he's doing so at 56% shooting. And to go along with that, he's also averaging five assists a game. And also grabbing six rebounds. I mean, he has been the heart and soul of that Nets team. And, you know, I'm giving him a little bit of credit here, just also for going through the trying times and and, and factoring in the Kyrie situation, the Steve Nash situation, the Ben Simmons situation. Where does the list end? This guy has kind of been through it all uh, so far and has continued to just play uh, at the level that we all expect KD to play at. And uh, I've been very impressed with their last 15 or so games. And I think he, you know, deserves a top three spot, at least on my list. Yeah. I, you know, I don't have a problem with him uh, being on the top, uh, top three list. I didn't have him on there. spoiler alert, but um, (laughs) you you really can't go wrong. There, there's such a wide open race issue of really good players, not just, 
it's not like when you're in the Heisman, it's the lesser of all the evils that, that you hand the award to. There's some really impressive performances or, or players out there so far. And KD is definitely one of those that, that deserves to be uh, given serious consideration. He's playing these top 10 and he's 34 years old. He's playing top 10 minutes. You know, he's 36 minutes a night almost or more than 36 minutes a night. And yeah, he's the, he's the glue through all this mess, which by the way, he created some of it. Let's not just give him a pass. Yeah. Like, well, all the trials and tribulations. Are, <laughs> well, he, he caused some of this stuff. So let's not just make him the, you know, the, the savior of saviors. That's like, you know, throwing somebody in the pool and then going to save them and say, look what I did. Doesn't, not quite, you know, uh, you know, he's not the he- heroic efforts uh, for that reason, but, the numbers speak to themselves, and he is the key to this whole uh, resurgence by the Nets. His his performance, like you said, KD, uh, Kyrie's uh, issues, Ben Simmons, all these that they've had injury. Joe Harris was injured. They had Seth Curry who was injured. All this mess going on, coaching change. He's he's in the lineup every night, and he's really doing the job. And he's definitely, uh, although he's not in my top. Uh, three, he's definitely worthy of consideration. I couldn't say anybody was crazy for putting him there. Now, who who do you got at number two on your list? Well, number two, we just mentioned him a few minutes ago, is Luca. Okay. Uh, the number he's second in the league in scoring. He's got all the rebounds and assists. He's almost nine in rebounds, almost nine assists a game. Uh, he's he's number three in usage. You know, you got Giannis at number one. He's number three in usage at thirty one point. Uh, 37.1%, which is another ridiculous thing. The offense obviously goes through him. He's up there in triple doubles at seven. He's just – the reason I put him at number two is unlike previous years for me, he's making shots. He wasn't – he hasn't always been a a, a high uh, percentage shooter. He did a lot of volume stuff, but now he's shooting over 50% from – from the field, 36% from three. These are all, you know, career-type numbers for him. And he's really playing uh, – he's playing as good a basketball. I You could make the case as anybody in the league. Yeah. And spoiler alert, he's not in my top three, but after what he did uh, the other night on that historical performance, I feel like I have no room to disagree with that take. So at two for me, I got the joker. His nuggets are currently 22-12. and 12. He's third in the league in assists and also averaging 25.7 points per game. Um, really not much you have to say about this guy. I mean, just three years straight of pure dominance in the Western Conference and not a lot of help all around him. I mean, Michael Porter has not been very good this year. Jamal Murray's been in and out, though Jamal has made some big shots. But overall, I mean, that entire offense and even – fueling the offense from defense. I mean, he grabs the rebound. He's either pushing it up himself or throwing long outlet passes. He pretty much fuels the entire fire for Mike Malone's uh, team in Denver. And uh, they really don't even have a backup center. I mean, no disrespect to DeAndre Jordan, but he's getting pretty up there in age now and isn't as effective as he once was. So I'll put the Joker in there at number two. Um, I don't think he's going to win it three straight years and join that very select company Uh, to have back-to-back-to-back MVP awards. I think he's going to get that voters' fatigue from the media this year. Um, But definitely, uh, at at this point in time in the season, he's got to be in that top-two conversation. I, I, you know, when we get to our top choices, you'll see why I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Let's go right into it. Let's go right. He's my number one choice. He's right now. I mean, this isn't how necessarily how it's going to play out. You make very uh, good points with uh, voter fatigue. There's no, uh, no real argument there other than, especially in in what we have this year. And we mentioned a couple episodes ago, we're at a really historic level of offense this season in the NBA. So there's going to be plenty of candidates worthy of consideration. So it's not as, you know, he would have to really separate himself to uh, put himself in, as a favorite. For me, though, he's still number one right now. He, you mentioned the, the points per game, he's which is actually down, but he's got the rebounds. He's average, He's almost averaging a triple-double. He's almost averaging 10 assists a game. So he's, he's on pace. He's closing in on a triple-double for a season. And he's got the seven triple doubles again. 
uh, tied with Luca there. And I brought up a few times already, and I'll bring it up again. His differential on offense, on court and off court, when he's on there, to your point about how he's not having much help, when he is on the court, they are averaging 22 points per 100 positions more than when he's off the court. When he is off the court, they are barely averaging a point per possession, just over that. When he's on the court, the efficiency is 123 per 100 possessions. That's a ridiculous on-off <laughs> comparison. And it speaks to just how we've mentioned Aaron Gordon a couple episodes ago, how he was doing a very – you mentioned how he was doing uh, very well this year, having an all-star type caliber season, um, which I can go back and forth whether he is or not. But Porter is not – the same player. Jamal Murray is not consistent enough right now. And so it's really on him at the end of the day. And he's just having an unbelievable season, an unbelievable game last night. Um, The numbers I don't suspect will go down. The one thing he's not doing, he's not really hitting the three ball very well. He's barely over 30%, about less than a third. I think it's like 32 right now. So that's got to pick up. Otherwise you would hope it would pick up. Otherwise, It'll be looked to get. He'll get a knock on that going forward. Yeah, and you know, going back to Aaron Gordon real quick. I know I've been a huge fan of his on, on these podcasts. Uh, I think it'd be a true testament to jo- the Joker's MVP race if Gordon is able to get an All Star nod this year. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping to see it. I think he's definitely deserved it, especially where the Nuggets are in the West. You know, but I think that very much bode well for. Uh, the Joker and, and and the MVP argument down the stretch is like, look at his counterpart here and, and how much he's played a factor in elevating his game, getting him good looks, and they're starting to mesh well as a nice one-two combo off one another. Well, you t- you know the three that I had on my you know top three, the players I had in my top three really are three players that haven't gotten a whole lot of support this year. Right. I mean, you talk about Giannis, you talk about Luca. They they have good pieces, decent pieces, but there's not another superstar in that mix or somebody playing at a superstar level. Now, the three guys that I left off that we could, I think we, you and I would both agree, if we had to list six players, we would all have the same six, maybe in different order. I left Jason Tatum off. I left KD off. And I left Joel Embiid off. Uh, they're in my next three or whatever, but you can make a case for, for those three. But they also have superstars right alongside him, assuming that Kyrie doesn't you know, go off the rails and decide he wants to play when he's right. on the court with KD. But you got Jalen Brown, obviously, with Tatum, and you got James Harden with MD. These guys have a lot of, you know, some really superstar support, not just all-star caliber support, you know, superstar type support. The other three don't really have that right now. No question. And um, do you have any guesses who my number one might be? <laughs> uh <laughs> Surprise me. Okay. It's a guy in Milwaukee by the name oh. of Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's currently got his Bucks 22 and 10, one of the best records in the NBA. He's currently third in the league in scoring 33.6 points per game while averaging two less minutes per game compared to the rest of the players on my list in the Joker and Durant. Um, so taking in his usage, his efficiency, where he's got his team, as far as records are concerned with, as we mentioned, the uh, injuries to both Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, um, quite incredible. He, you know, he's still shooting 53% from the field, 11.6 rebounds per game, five assists. And, you know, he's also averaging nearly a block and steal a game. Of course, he's already been recognized as the defensive player of the year a few years ago, um, but he's continuing to bring it on the defensive end and playing both ends. After a busy summer, I know that doesn't get counted into consideration. Uh, I just feel like he's had a lot on his plate, and he's, despite the struggle shooting the basketball, he's got the Bucks in a pretty good position. To, you know, despite the the, the recent slide, uh, hopefully they can figure that out soon. Or his case for the top spots definitely going to be in jeopardy. Um, but as of as it sits now in the records, and I think wins matter. Um, you know, I I have to put Giannis in there at number one. Well, wouldn't wouldn't Joker with the guy in the West, the number one team in the West, wouldn't he uh, get a little more consideration from you if you're talking <laughs> records? Is that if that's uh, one of the factors that we're talking about? By the way, 
as far as his impact on the team, I mentioned uh, Joker's the the tremendous differential on court, off court, offensive efficiency. You know, with with Giannis for whatever reason, because everything you said is accurate. They're only scoring one point one point per hundred possessions more with him on the court than off. There's it's virtually a dead even a dead heat when he's on the court. The same offensive production or efficiency, I should say, when he's on the court and off. I don't know why, but it's just an interesting thing when you look at that and you compare it to somebody like a Jokic who is just, you know, unbelievable differential. Yeah. And now having talked about teams that are teams and players that are playing at a high level, let's kind of flip the coin here a bit. And for quarter three, let's let's discuss some teams that need to step it up. Uh, World Beat, is there a team out there that that really needs a wake up call and start playing a little better? Well, there's a, there's a couple of teams that I uh, that I think really need to get going here, and one of them is actually starting to. Well, let's see if they continue it. We mentioned them at the top of the show, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they're just 15 yes. and 19 on the season. They're only in 10th place. They're hanging on for that playing spot. They just, but they they won four out of five. So you know they're they were 11 and 15, 11 and 18 before this run. So you know maybe they can uh, continue to have a win over the Knicks in that stretch too, along with what happened last night. Uh, so maybe this is really getting going. Uh, the things that concern me though, they're only eight and eight at home. That's not you know if you want to get in the playoffs, you want to. Uh, I know Bruce talks about road record, which is true, but if you're a struggling team. You really want to at least you know hold your home court. Eight and eight at home isn't going to do it. Uh, the positive is against the East, they're thirteen and nine, which is a you know a big plus. And they, I think they have seven of their next eight games against the Eastern Conference. So there's an opportunity for them to start to make some noise and get out of that play-in mix or that battle for a play-in spot, and at least if nothing else, secure that play-in spot. Um, so you know, and they got the they got three guys that can you know are all star caliber and DeRozan, Levine, and um, and uh, Vucevic. Yeah. So you know they do have three quality players, all star caliber players. For whatever reason, it's just not working out for them at the moment. Yeah, and as you mentioned, they have a nice uh, Eastern Conference schedule coming up, so they have an opportunity to make up some ground. I'm also going to look at a team in the East. Uh, the Toronto Raptors currently sitting at 15 and nine. They're three and seven in their last 10. Pascal Siakam, surprisingly, after returning from injury, I know the injury bug kind of set the team back a little bit in my in my eyes. He's been playing at a high level. I mean, almost MVP top 10 conversation, you know, probably like 10, nine, somewhere around there. And, and they've got nothing to show for it. As I just said, three wins in their last 10. Um, Fred Van Fleet's not shooting the ball particularly well this year. It looks really off. Um, Scotty Barnes, fresh off winning rookie of the year, hasn't really like taken a next step. Uh, and OG Ananobi, he started to get it going the last couple of games, but we're looking at the, the full season. He hasn't hasn't really impressed me. Gary Trent Jr., another guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's kind of fallen out of the rotation at times, has struggled shooting the ball, is not getting out. Uh, defensively and getting those steals that he used to, especially like in Portland. And then when he started early on in Toronto, Nick nurse and that coaching staff, along with uh, the front office has some uh, serious decisions to make. I know we'll get into that a little bit later, Um, but I'm quite concerned about the Raptors and it's time for them to either step it up or maybe think about, you know, trading off a piece and, and rebuilding to a certain degree. Yeah, they're certainly not at the level. You know, we're a long ways away from that championship team, but we're we're really not. But it seems like we're we are with that team. Uh, another team that I think needs to step it up out in the West is uh, Minnesota. They yeah. uh, they they had the injury to to Carl Anthony Towns. That's a that's a downer. But you know they they take, have a lot of really good players there. You know, one of them being Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards is is a superstar on the cusp of being a superstar to me, uh, but they're only 16 to 19. They're outside of the, uh, of the playing field right now. They're in 11th place. They've lost four in a row. They're only six and eight since uh, towns went down. So that's, you know, that's been a problem. Their defense has just not been there. They're 20th this month in efficiency. Um, and they're, you know, tw- 
they're not shooting the ball at all very well. They're not getting a lot of production out of the three-point shot. They're just 23rd in percentage of points that are coming from three. They're getting about less than 30% of your points from three-pointers. In this day and age, that just isn't going to cut it, really. And, yeah, they just, you know, last year they were third in that category. This year they're 23rd. So they're just not uh, – Rudy is – the Rudy deal is really not working out for them right now. <laughs> it's not improving them defensively. They're not getting any better on the on the boards. They're right around – he's getting his boards, but the team as a general has not improved much on the boards. It's just about the same as last year. Um Edwards has been really on fire lately, averaging almost 30 in his last six. So he's he had a great game last night. And they really just, you know, they almost pulled out the victory thanks to him. But I know Carl Anthony Towns being injured is a problem. And you can make that excuse, but you're in the West and it's no, there's no excuses there. You're going to find yourself on the outside looking in with a pretty darn good lineup with or without Towns in there that shouldn't be where they are. Yeah, and you mentioned that Rudy Gobert trade possibly being one that they certainly regret. I know the fans are definitely worried about that uh, offseason transaction. I'm going to focus in on a team that needs to step it up in the West that also made a trade with Minnesota and got the best end of the deal. That's the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors at the moment just got back to 518 and 18. Had a nice uh, come-from-behind win last night. Uh, but they're five and five still in their last 10. Of course, they're without Curry and Wiggins. Need to get one of those two back here very soon. But just in general, looking at what they were supposed to be and the expectations, and even when Curry was on the floor, and as you alluded to with Bruce, uh, always mentioning the importance of road games, they just haven't had any type of consistency um, the entire year. And when they've hit the road, they've been awful. Um, oh, yeah. I, you know, we'll talk about them real briefly a little bit later, uh, maybe in some trade discussions. But, you know, they've got some uh, working themselves out to do. Um, I have not been very impressed with them by any means. And right now they don't, to John Morant's credit, they're not a team that scares me in the West. But there's plenty more that Josh should be worried about. So uh, the Warriors would be my team in the Western Conference that I I think needs to get it in gear. It's an incredible uh, flip-flop, credible contrast for that team at home and on the road, um, especially on the defensive end, as we mentioned. They're the best, they have the best home record in the league, 15 and 2. They have the worst road record in the league, 3 and 16. It's just an unbelievable for a team like this, it's just an unbelievable contrast. They have the second best defense at home, and they have the second worst defense on the road. It's just I never would have expected that big of a difference from a team like this. Uh, like we said, Curry being out, Wiggins being out, none of that helps. We get that. But they still have, just like Minnesota, they still have pretty damn good players that they yeah. shouldn't be that bad on the road. There's no excuse for being that bad on the road. Totally agree there. And uh, we'll see what happens in the second half of the season for that team. And uh, wouldn't be surprised if there is a change on the horizon with that roster. Now getting into our... Best bets. We're going to focus in today will be on rebounding. Three smaller names to consider for prop bets, parlays, and live in-game betting. These are smaller names around the league. And we're going to start off with a guy that moved from Minnesota to Utah in that Rudy Gobert trade and Jared Vanderbilt. He's currently averaging eight rebounds a game. Uh, He's a pretty safe bet to uh, toss in your parlay at seven, which is typically a number you can get him at. And uh, if you watch Vanderbilt, with the Utah Jazz, he usually comes out of the gates rebounding uh, very early, gets his hands on three to four rebounds in that first quarter and, uh, you know, kind of ends the half with five. And then it seems like in the second half, teams make adjustments and start to put a body on him. Um, but, you know, at that point, you only need two or three rebounds. And just with his high activity level, uh, you can always count on him for boards. Number two, Torrey Craig with the Phoenix Suns, currently averaging 5.3 rebounds a game. You can typically find Craig at a good value in the odds for parlays with four boards. So with Cam Johnson out, Jay Crowder not with the team, and the recent injury to Devin Booker, Craig's a great option for parlays as his usage rate uh, is definitely going to be on the up for the Suns. 
And a former son as my number three, another small forward, TJ Warren, only averaging 3.3 rebounds. Player. What I mean, I love talking TJ, but uh, TJ uh, <laughs> only averaging 3.3 rebounds thus far. But Warren just recently started picking up the minutes, averaging 20 plus minutes a night, and is an extreme value at the moment uh, for in the sports books. Uh, in three of his past four games, playing 20 plus minutes, he's grabbed five or more rebounds. So right now, you can snag him at pretty good value at four rebounds. At very good odds for a parlay. So that's our betting section. Hope you guys have been taking notes on that and having some good luck in uh, your betting. Now, getting to the last section here in our overtime segment will be, you know, the last days of 2022 are right now. And I want to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. Um, we're going to look a little bit at trades. And I want to mention the January 15th uh, deadline. That is the last trade restriction deadline in the NBA. And that applies for all players that resigned with their previous team and got a raise of at least 20%. Also, this date marks the deadline for teams to sign players to two-way contracts. And uh, additionally, is the last day teams can file for a disabled player exception. So uh, any team out there that you would not be surprised to make a move, is there a team that, that kind of Sticks out in your mind uh, or any players that you're keeping an eye on as uh, we're waiting for the domino effect in the NBA to take take shape here in the NBA? Uh, I'm going to be paying attention to the Hawks. I want to see okay. what they're going to be doing. Um, I don't see their season turning around. It's been a real mess since it began. Uh, this is a team that just two years ago made the Eastern Conference Finals. They looked like they were going all in again to try and get back to that when they made the trade for Murray and they put that in the backcourt. Hasn't worked out, at least on the court, uh, like you would think it was going to. So I expect pieces to be going from there. They have pieces that maybe people would find attractive. And who knows what's going to be the future of Trey Young. I mean, yeah. he's just starting a new deal. He signed a new deal over the summer. I can't envision him actually getting traded. But if things go south, who knows if he's going to want to trade? Who knows if teams can pick him up? His season this year is not worthy of somebody who uh, you're going to give up a whole uh, the, the store for. Now, he's yeah. one of the worst shooters in the league this year. It's just how it is. He is one of the worst shooters in the league for a guy who's just signed a big fat contract. He's going to be about 40 mil a year. There's, you know, the, the other deal is John John Collins is always mentioned, as you, yeah. we've talked about before. But he, his contract, again, he's got a lot left. He's got about 75 mil, if, I'm, if I remember right, left on his deal. And for a guy whose career is not on the upswing, but it's kind of trending down, still quality, but not at the level that he had been, what are you going to get? I mean, you're going to ask the team to give you something and take on his contract? That's I know they're going to probably want to do something. I want to see what they can do. Yeah. No, it, they should be a fun team to watch. Obviously, we also mentioned Bruce brought it up. They've had some realignment in that front office. Yep. Um, so we'll see what, what kind of impact that has on maybe a coaching change or yep. per, personnel change with the roster. Um, so that is a fun team to watch. For me, it's going to be the Warriors. Uh, they clearly need some help, especially with the injuries. Of course, even when Curry comes back, I would assume – uh, you know, there's going to be some minutes restrictions right out of the gates uh, and, and trying to keep him healthy for a postseason run. Uh, they, of course, have those uh, young pieces and James Wiseman who could be attracted to a team like Charlotte, maybe even Orlando teams that are really not competing for much this year, but they could be looking to add another uh, five man in some length. So keeping an eye on Wiseman. Another guy, Moses Moody, he's seen an uptick in minutes um, along with Dante DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo, I think, is a guy that sticks there. He's starting to play much better for the Warriors and kind of getting a good feel for how that offensive system works. Uh, as for Moody, I'm, I'm kind of seeing this time as uh, an exhibition to where they're kind of show, showcasing them to other teams of, hey, look what he can do. You know, this is what you can get in a trade and you can give us a seasoned veteran that's probably on an expiring deal uh, to help us out this year. So those are key, two key guys on the 
the Warriors to keep an eye on. And lastly, the team I want to talk about, which would be a big shakeup, is the uh, Toronto Raptors. Of course, they were uh, a team I brought up for uh, an organization that needs to step it up. Um, but is there a chance that they could blow up their core four? That core four, of course, is Van Fleet, Ananobi, Siakam, and Barnes. Um, could you potentially see that happening? Some of the players, I don't know if you want to give up everything. Um, I I would probably – I would imagine Fred Van Fleet would – would uh, garner some – they would send his name out there. Uh, again, I don't know, given his contract and his production this year, which has not been good, exactly what you're going to get back. You, if you really want to do something, you're going to have to give up the big names, you know, Siakam. And I don't – I wouldn't do it, um, but I'm not a GM either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would – because you want to build something. I mean, if you do that, you're really saying it's going to be years before we're back to the level we want to be at. Uh, in a perfect world, I would think they'd want to get somebody to better help him. But because he, you know, he's an All NBA player, yeah, and he can put up the numbers, and they're just. But he's the guy who has the most value, so he's one of those really tough situations. Uh, I would say they're going to do something. I don't think it's going to be as big a splash. Name wise, um, but I could see, I could see somebody going from there. Yeah, if it's not one of the core four, I could see it being Gary Trent Jr. Um, mm-hmm. He was just recently signed to an extension. However, if it was someone in the four core, if I had to pick one, I think it is the guy you mentioned in Van Fleet. Um, I think it'd be very interesting to see them roll out with kind of a, a bigger guard. Uh, I mean, Siakam initiates a ton of that offense as is. You could hand the keys off to Scotty Barnes to initiate a little bit more offense, which he showed flashes of doing last year when he won uh, Rookie of the Year. Um, and, and if Van Fleet's the guy to go, Gary Trent, uh, you know, is more than capable of bringing the ball down and initiating the the set offense. And then it, before you know it, it's in Siakam's hand, and you know, look out because that guy's going to make a play. So, who do you um, think is going to be the biggest name traded? Ooh, that's tough. All the names that are out there. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, not to sound boring with you, but I think it's probably John Collins. I mean, I think there's a lot of the going to be somebody to take his contract. I could see it being a team like uh, the Charlotte Hornets, like possibly doing something with a draft. Yeah, pick I could see in. that. Yeah, I you could know, see that. <laughs> take, take Gordon Hayward and PJ Washington. We'll take Collins and a draft pick. You know, yeah. I could see a deal like that where get some bigger money off the books kind of get a guy that's locked into uh, a bigger deal. But again, I mean, contracts are just continuing to go up. So if they're able to get John Collins back to the level he was playing when he signed that contract, which would be the hope, of course. And, you know, he's obviously a huge athletic lob threat that you could pair with uh, LaMelo Ball, who loves to make crazy passes. P.J. Washington really doesn't do that. Uh, Mark Williams is showcasing that. Early yep. on for them, I really like Mark Williams in Charlotte. Um, but maybe if they could get a power forward that's got a little bit more uh, hard rolls and, and lob threat ability, uh, Collins could be a guy they could be interested in. And then you get Hayward off your books, and you know PJ Washington could be another piece that that's tossed in. And the other thing is too, we mentioned John Collins. We mentioned before, but his career hasn't taken a complete nosedive. He's no. still putting up decent numbers. He had 26 just last week, I believe, in the game. He's, it's just not. He was a 2010 guy a few seasons ago. He's just not there anymore. And you gotta wonder if he's ever going to be there again. But you're right. If he can be, then you really have a, a quality player. I just don't. With that contract and his production on the downtrend, yeah, I could see the Hornets being the team that. Pulls a stunt like that. <laughs> I did. I did like the idea when you mentioned Wiseman maybe being a candidate. You know, we were throwing names around for the Hornets, though, because the idea of the Hornets getting the two of the top three picks from from that draft a few years ago is kind of interesting. Yeah, that'd be pretty exciting, and I think they were linked to Wiseman uh, during the draft workout. So they definitely had interest in the past, and not sure why they wouldn't be interested to to try to pair him with a guy like Lamelo. That could be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and last but not least, we'll be, I think we'd be doing our listeners a disservice 
We didn't talk about what happened last night in Detroit as we nearly had a map. We almost had a malice at the Pizza Palace as Hayes, as Hayes tried Killian Mo Wagner inside the Little Caesars Arena on Wednesday night. Oh, long I got time, that. Yeah. Longtime famous Pistons PA announcer Mason was there for the legendary malice at the Palace as well. And he didn't mess around this time around. He announced to the crowd, the moment you move, you're going to jail. Stay in your seats. Will be, what was your take from that whole uh, situation? Uh, by today's standards, it was something. By the standards where I grew up in the late 70s, 80s, 90s, it was, I don't know if people would have been ejected yeah. <laughs> back then. Uh, <laughs> it was, we talked about it before the show, it was really started by Wagner committing a cheap foul. Wasn't dirty, but it was cheap. Uh, pushing, you know, giving the shoulder to Hayes, knocking him into the bench. I was really surprised to see Hayes' reaction to it. Me too. And, you know, he, it looked like he knocked him out there with the shot to the back. That was a cheap shot. For yeah. me, that was a cheap shot. It was predicated by a cheap foul, and he had every right to be upset about it. I don't know if he had, to, you know, needed to, to go that route, and he'll probably pay the price with a game or two. I don't. I really don't think it should be anything more. Um, these are rare occurrences these days. I don't think uh, the league's in any danger of it being a mess. Um, I just, it was a really most of these fights are started by something stupid. Yeah, it, it, it isn't. Show me a fight where something isn't stupid that that brings on. You know, it's always something like that. And Wagner was, was stupid in that. You know, it was a cheap foul, and it brought on. That mess. It happened in the the Pistons bench, which made it worse. Uh, I'm kind of surprised only three players got ejected. All the Magic guys off the bench, you know, ran over there to give support. I don't know how they were able to stay on the on the court, but um, you know, staying in the game. But it, it was a silly thing, and by today's standards, it was newsworthy. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember, uh, but I think the last cheap shot that we did have was uh, the Joker, actually, on Markeith Morris. Yeah. Um, he charged at him at half court. Not sure what kind of uh, suspension was handed down for that, but I would certainly expect something very similar, um, as it did have like kind of a similar result knocking him out. And, you know, Markeith, unfortunately, was uh, a bit shaken up from that, yeah. low, you know, just blindsided the, hit. The push. Yeah. Pushed, gave him a vicious push in the back. Yeah. Knocked him out for a long time. Absolutely. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know where this is going to go. I it looked like I said by today's standards, it looked bad. It looked newsworthy. I just don't, I don't know. And maybe he'll get more than a couple of games. Maybe he will because he did throw a bunch and knock him out. I just don't know if that's um, necessary. But yeah, and my last comment on this is this is very interesting. I was surprised to see it be Killian Hayes of all guys. I mean, yeah. his entire career. Um, he's kind of gone, gone along with the trend of most French players as being quote unquote soft. He's been a soft player in the NBA and certainly wasn't expecting that reaction from him. And, you know, Mo Wagner has been in the situation before in the bubble, uh, yep. with Giannis. Uh, he, he had a nice hard foul on Giannis and Giannis actually headbutted him in that game. So, uh, definitely not his first go around with, uh, an altercation, but should be interesting to see, um, but that will pretty much wrap things up for this edition of 48 Minutes, Episode 5. Appreciate everyone listening. Be sure to go ahead, like, and subscribe to the podcast. We will see you back here next week on Believe Network with Bruce back in the house. Take care, everybody.